Hello, my name is Tucker Johnson, and I am your host today as we all together experience NIMSY Live, where we talk about the greatest in translation, localization, internationalization, culturalization, and all that fun stuff global companies need to delight their international customers, or at least not to piss them off too much. If you're not already subscribed to NIMSY Live, either here on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, whatever is your platform of choice, make sure to do that so that you can be first to be notified when we publish new industry research or when we come out with new events and live streams like what we're doing today. On this program, we like to invite guests who like to have fun and also have some value to add for our audience of globalization professionals. We're always eager to provide a platform to those with a good story or a good data set. So let us know if there are some topics you'd like covered or some guests that we should reach out to for future episodes. Before we get started here, I'd like to talk about a couple things that we've got going on here at MZ Insights. Yesterday I was talking about all the cool stuff they're doing over at Multilingual Media with Multilingual Magazine, the new issue coming out. But right now I'd like to talk about NIMSY Learning. If you haven't heard of NIMSY Learning, this is the the branch i would say of nimsy insights that focuses on e-learnings we have asynchronous e-learnings we have custom workshops we have in-person workshops remote workshops i've been trying to do recently what we call workshop wednesdays where we do free public workshops for anybody who wants to join um every wednesday but every wednesday has turned into you know every wednesday that i have available, which hasn't been that often. But you can actually go check out some of the recordings of those if you'd like. Uh, go over to our LinkedIn page at Nimsy Live and check out the past events and the recordings should be up there still. Also, we have um, a lot of events happening in the industry right now. Finally, events are starting to come back into full force. Uh, and by that, of course, I mean in-person events. If you want to know, if you want to be in the know on what's going on, go over to nimsy.com forward slash events. And we have this very useful uh, events calendar um, coming up here. I see that we have the Translation Forum Russia is coming up. We have Texpo, Lund, I can't read that, uh, Digimarcon, Global Saki is always putting out good events. So I'll leave that to you, nimsy.com forward slash events. Use that to plan your, your future events for the next quarter or for the rest of the year. Before we get started here, a quick introduction to the platform. We're doing this on LinkedIn Live. We like LinkedIn Live because that's where most of our friends hang out here on LinkedIn. But we're also live streaming to you on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter, I believe, today. The recordings will be held on our YouTube channel Nimsy.com. We just surpassed a thousand subscribers, which I you know, it's not doesn't sound like that much. We're not PewDiePie, but I think that's pretty cool. So um, go over and be subscriber number a thousand and one if you like. If you want to hear more about translation and localization on YouTube. Now, getting into the, today's topic and guest, um, we're going to be talking about global global remote teams, and this all started. The reason we're, we're talking about this today is it started with uh, so many things to do here at NIMSY with a client request. A, a client of ours, an enterprise client of ours, came to us and said, I need some data about remote teams, remote work, global dispersion in the language services industry. So we're going to be looking at two different things today. We're going to be looking at some research around remote work, and we're going to be looking at some research around global dispersion. Now, these are two separate but related things. So remote is simply do teams allow for remote employees? And that could be, you know, everyone's working from the same city, but they're working from home. Global dispersion is slightly different in that it's do we have teams all over the world and for time zone coverage, for market coverage, whatever it may be. But essentially after the pandemic, uh, companies companies that were reluctant to recruit outside of the city limits understood that it is totally feasible to do so, right? Um, the pandemic hit and people, companies that typically would have everybody sitting in an office said, oh my gosh, we have to go remote just because that's where the market is going. So what we saw over the last two, three, two years is um, this proliferation of remote work and proliferation of global, globally dispersed teams. Now, as the pandemic is 
if not coming to an end, it is evolving, subsiding a little bit. What we're seeing is companies, leadership at companies, wrestling with this concept of do we keep the remote teams or do we pull back to the way that we were doing it before. And today we're going to be speaking with a global staffing effort who is very well dressed in her <laughs> NIMSY hat, uh, Angelica Perez. And now Angelica Perez is the managing director and one of the founders of Pampa Talent. And Pampa Talent is a company that I personally know very well because we use them here at NIMSY Insights. Some of, some of my favorite team members here at NIMSY Insights are provided via Pampa Talent, and they provide an excellent service and great people. I, I love our Pampa people. I don't even think of them as Pampa people. I think of them as Nimzonians, right? And right. I think that's the, that, that's by design, right? So, of course, Angelica, you were the first person that I reached out to when we had this topic come up of globally dispersed teams. Um, thank you so much. Thank you for inviting me, and thank you, Mario Lane, for the cup, which I love. Yes, uh, thank you, Mario Lane. To me in, yeah, she gave it to me in San Diego, and I love it. Um, that, you know, we are in winter in Argentina, but this is today we have a sunny day. It's almost 20 degrees centigrade, so I don't need to wear it, but still, you know, I wanted to wear it for a few minutes. So to us to show the yellow color, which is Nancy's color, Pampa color. I see your daughter walking around with a yellow dress. So is yellow wearing, okay. is trendy. At, at least she's wearing a <laughs> yellow dress. At least she has clothes on. Yes. So oh, yeah, oh, we are lucky today. That <laughs> yeah. Sorry, folks, I, I have my kids home from camp today because I had a doctor's appointment. So if you see munchkins running around, um, yeah, just don't just disregard that. But yeah, you, yeah, you mentioned yellow. yellow is trendy. Yellow is trendy, which takes me to right. the homepage for for Pampa Talents. And I Thank want you. before we get into the research and yeah, we are going to be looking at research today, guys. Don't worry, mm -hmm. I've got a slide deck queued up for you. But um, before we get into that, uh, tell me a little bit about Pampa Talents. And for those of you at home, you can follow along at www.pampatalents.com.ar is, is the website. But tell me about Pampa Talents. Pampa, Pampa. Pampa was born. Yes, Pampa Talents. Uh, it, was born as a, it was born as a unit of another company that we have that we own uh, since you know, almost 24, almost 20 years. Um, which is a translations company. Um, it is started just as a service to a client, wanted to have a, a team in Argentina, and we decided to help. You know, it was a kind of one-time collaboration, but then it turned into a, into a unit of business, and then it, it turned into a company. <laughs> it was so much that in four years, we, we made it a company. Uh, and it's been pampered for the last, I would say, two years. And uh, Pampa is a company that provides recruiting and hiring services in Argentina. For It is started to be for localization companies worldwide that wanted to hire in Argentina. But today we have kind of expanded a little bit. And, you know, it, was, it was not one of our objectives. But you have someone from the localization industry who has a nice experience uh, hiring with us. And then he suggests or recommends us to someone else. And someone else is from another industry and they come to us. And so... We ended up, you know, recruiting people for, for accounting for, you know, a different type of companies. But anyways, the core business of Pampa is recruiting and hiring and providing facilitation services for companies, for localization companies who would like to have teams in Argentina. So you work with uh, a lot of, and I love, I love that story and I love stories like that because it's very much an MZ story, just like following the client need. Right. right. You just start right. doing something and you think you're doing one thing. Like when Nimsy was founded, we thought we thought that we were going to be selling market research. Now, we do do a lot of market research. I'm not sure how much market research we actually sell because following the client needs, folks didn't want market research. They they wanted a bunch of other stuff. That's why I'm plugging the training sessions that we do, M&A, stuff like that. Um, and the, it turned into something that was much different than what we originally intended. But it sounds like it's growing, even though your, your base is, you work with a lot of LSPs, you work with client-side folks. And tell me kind of about the profile of people that should reach out to you. Yeah, mainly LSPs. I mean, I would say that 95% of our portfolio is LSPs, um, based mainly in the U.S. 
and they are, you know, they have the, the, this growing need of expanding their teams and having people in other in other geographies where they can have, you know, full coverage of their services and, you know, other type of profiles, you know, talents they can find in their countries. But they are mainly coming from the U.S., Canada, and Europe. Um, yeah. Yeah, because it's, it's always a pain, and this is why we use you, is um, hiring people. Well, you do the whole thing. You do the recruiting, you do the hiring, you do the training, and all, all of that stuff, and all of the payroll management. And... Yeah, it's kind of customized. It's according yeah. to clients' needs. We can offer you know a range of services, and they can choose from. It's not a set thing. Yeah, but they can it, say, well, I want this service, but I don't want this one. You know, yeah. it's kind of customized. Yeah, because sometimes I'll have someone in a foreign country. In your case, it would be Argentina. But I'll have someone that I want to hire. But due to local labor laws and I don't have a company set up there and I don't want to set up a company there because that's a pain in the butt, um, yeah. I could bring that person and just say, hey, could you hire this person? And then, you know, um, invoice through me. And I know, hey, any auditors out there, I know it's much more complicated than that um, as far as like with the labor laws and all of that stuff. But tell tell me a little okay. bit about that. What's the risk involved with um, – hiring someone locally and paying them as a freelancer or a contractor. Is is that something that people that come to you that they're pretty concerned about? Is it for risk reasons, like they don't want to get in trouble with local labor laws? Uh, one of the reasons is, yes, local labor laws, of course. And uh, there's no, it's not only local, you know, the Argentinian laws, but it's also the laws where they live in. Because if companies are based right. in some of the states in the United States and they, if they have someone... Um, hire for a long period over X amount of months, they may be requested to have to give that the, the person the benefits of an employee. So, you know, in order to comply with it, with their own laws and with the local laws where, where the staff resides, um, they they go for this PEO service, you know, professional employer organization, this type of sort of company we are, uh, in order to be uh, to be in, in accordance with the laws of both places. Yeah, and this PEO, as I'm consulting different clients here at MZ Insights, I'm always, I'm, I'm kind of surprised by the number of people that have never heard of that term before, PEO, Professional Employment Employer Organization. And right. it's, it's, it's a term that you need to know if you're in the language service <laughs> industry. If you're, if you're thinking of going global with your teams, yes, you need to know. Well, and, um, and that's yeah, there, are, there are organizations, there are PEOs that are all over the world. And you can hire a PO and have your yeah, super. They're really super, expensive. Super I've, expensive. I've looked like, at them, right? They'll, they'll charge get, set up fees, and then they'll charge like thirty percent of the salary every month. Wow! And man, I don't have that kind of money. Well, anyways, um, they they you can go through a global PO and have all your teams, all your staff around the world hire, but this only organization. Uh, I know it's expensive. And I'm not so sure about how compliant they are with the local laws of every country where they're hired. Yeah. So uh, anyway, but you know, I, that's I've my. I've often wondered that too, but as a as the customer, like, let's be real. I don't care if they're compliant. I just care if it's their fault if they get caught, right? Yeah, I care about my risk, right? I'm just, Absolutely. Just being real. Just don't pop your monocles, everybody. But that's the way the world works. Correct. Correct. But let's go into, you know, we promised some research here. Let's go into looking at some of the research that we've put together. I've tried to organize it into a deck for folks. Now, if you participated in this research over on LinkedIn, then you probably already have this deck because I asked somebody here at NIMSY to send it out to you. And I yeah, hope they did. I did. Um, but if if not, or if you're watching this for the first time, then send over an email to info at nimsy.com or live at nimsy.com. Just reach out to us, and I can make sure to get a copy of this deck to you. Um, this deck today, we're going to go through a couple things. I'll just give you some background on the study. Um, we'll talk a little bit about the importance of remote work. Um, and, and looking at the data, right? There's not a whole lot of editorialization going on here. That's why Angelic is here with me so that we can actually <laughs> talk about it instead of just looking at numbers. But I'll give you a background of the study, look at the importance of remote work, look at the importance of global dispersions and some of the upsides and downsides. Uh, and then take a look at some of the specific feedback that we got from, from different teams. 
So just looking at the the study, this wasn't a large-scale, six-month ongoing study with focus groups. This was a survey-based study that we did of localization professionals. We got people from the client side, people from the vendor side, So, and we're going to show you the data split by each of those. Um, we're also going to show you the data split by company company size as much as possible and really focus on these two different things, which is the remote work, which is can you work outside of the office, and the global dispersion of it. So let's start getting right into it with the importance of remote work. I'll bring us back up on screen here. And the first, first question that we want to answer here is how important is it for a successful localization department to allow for remote team members regardless of their location? So this isn't necessarily saying offshoring. This is just saying not making people come into the office here. And we see on screen here, and for those listening as a podcast at home, um, I'm going to try my best to describe what's going on here. But we see here uh, red, yellow, and green bars here. The red is an average of all the responses. And then we break it out with the yellow being the language buyers, so client side, and the green being language providers. And my main takeaways from this were the access to remote work opportunities is overwhelmingly seen as important. So, like, that's probably not a news flash to a lot of us that have been around this industry, but here's the data that shows it. And remote workers are especially critical for LSPs. It, what have you found in, in terms of this? Because you're working with both LSPs and client-side folks. Would you say, Angelica, that it's more important for um, LSPs to have a globally uh, a remote workforce of that work-from-home capability than the client's? Well, um, first of all, I'll say that, that we don't have uh, buyers in our portfolio, but still, you know, you talk to them, you see them in conferences, and you know what's going on. And uh, I think that the, the, the remote... Someone in your marketing department is kicking you under the table right now, I hope. I was no, setting you up I, here. I'm basically honest. Buyer clients. Oh, gosh, <laughs> you honest people annoy me. I'm basically honest. All right. Um, Working from home uh, today is a must. And you know what? We were discussing a few days ago and say, it is no longer a benefit. At the beginning, we saw it as a benefit. Well, you can give the employees this benefit. At this point, it's no longer a benefit. It's a way of working. It's a methodology of working. And it's different for each company. And each company implements it the way they, they can and they like. But it's definitely a retention. Um, it's, a, it's a retention method because today... Um, many people who are forced to go back to their to their offices are leaving their jobs because they don't want to. Yeah. So remote today is here to stay, and um, and if you want to retain your your staff, and if you want to, you have to think as a as a new methodology of working, you know, with your teams in a remote way. Um, I think, as you said before, that in the localization industry, first, you know, it's, it's like no, it's, it's normal. Is like our, our standard because we are naturally multicultural. Right. So in order to be multicultural, you need to hire people from different parts of the world. And it would be like almost impossible and affordable to, to hire people in your same place from different cultures. So you need to trust and to think, you know, outside the box and go you know, to the world to look for your resources. So in the localization industry is kind of, at least for some positions, is like the normal thing. What I'm seeing in the localization industry as a change, as a, as a changing paradigm, is that they are turning more into um, going remote with positions that they, that used that didn't used to be remote, like um, admin finance and mainly PMs. Um, you know, those areas are most sensitive to the company, and that you have to you have to trust the employees you have because it's, the information they handle is super important. Uh, in the past, you may, I mean, the companies used to have them sitting in their offices. And today, they have to admit that they need to go remote if they, if they want to keep it or if they want to look for new people who weren't accessible before. And that's a good point because I think we've been offshoring. For a long time, we, we've realized and accepted that we can offshore like low-skill tasks, right? Mm -hmm. And that was the offshoring strategy um, of LSPs as well. 
but they'd want to keep their thought leadership and strategy um, back home in the home office. And more and more, I'm seeing, I, I agree, I'm seeing the exact same thing. Nimsy, eventually, I'm going to have to admit that Nimsy's not an American company anymore. We have a CEO in the Czech Republic, a COO in the Czech Republic, a sales, whatever, chief sales officer in Spain. Um, finance is still here. Um, but yeah, we're, we're all over the place to the point where I don't even realize it anymore. And that wouldn't, that would have been weird, I think, five years ago. Because oh, yes. five years ago, definitely we is. would want those key positions back home. Right? You know, the pandemic was a, was like opening your eyes to a new reality, right? And discovering that you have so many chances. And, and that's, a, that's a positive way of seeing the pandemic. <laughs> yeah, that's a, yeah. Um, <laughs> definitely, yes. We have you, something you always to have learn. to be careful about like making statements that could be seen as like, I've I've profited off of the pandemic because well, it's, no, I'm not trying to say I'm profiting off of the pandemic, no. but uh, I do believe that I heard a quote the other day, maybe or and maybe it was you that, that I was talking to that basically said like the pandemic didn't make anything new happen. What the pandemic did was it accelerated things that were already going to happen. It's just instead of ten years from now, they're happening today. Today, right? Correct. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, 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 so it was opening the eyes to a new reality and being forced to do things that maybe you were postponing or not even thinking of right. and say, well, I have to, I have to do it now this way. And then why not? And then after the pandemic is almost gone or we are almost back to normal, I say, why, why not? Why not? This is a new, a new opportunity. Um, so yes, I've, I've seen localization companies coming to me saying, we need a, a, a CEO or a COO, and we are ready to jump in in, in Argentina and find it there. So it's, it's super interesting. And they are trusting, you know, as you said before, they are going global and they are trusting their their um, <laughs> most executive positions to people who are not in the same place where they are. So because they're smart people all over the world, right? And I, I think we're, we're starting to realize that. And, you know, and. How much does cost play a factor in, in companies' decisions to outsource to? Now, I know Argentina is not exactly the low-cost uh, labor pool that it used to be. I mean, it's still, relatively speaking, doing pretty well on the market. But how much of a factor do you see that? Is Because cost used to be like the reason to outsource to offshore to India. To China. The only one. The yeah, maybe it, the was, only it was one. the oh. reason. And yeah. what you're saying is there's all of these other reasons that people are realizing these days. Does cost still play a role? It does. Yeah, it still does. Definitely. It yes. will. I mean, money's always going to play yeah. a role. It's just money's a question, always money. Right? <laughs> this is business. Yeah. So uh, money's always present. But um, yeah, uh, I see the lack of talent in, in some of the areas where companies are at. Uh, is one of the reasons why they're looking, why they're coming to Argentina to look for, for talent that they don't have available in their regions. Um, cost is definitely another reason. And I think there is also something like um, tempting, like an opportunity saying, well, I have this, this is new, I can discover a diamond, you know? And maybe it's not a proof talent, but it's someone who, apart from the academic, um, the academic um, background that they may have or the experience they may have. It's also checking for someone who, has, who, who may have different skills, you know, and a different work culture coming from other countries where they expect you know, maybe, you know, more um, involvement, more commitment, um, someone who is, who has, you know, like different ideas, um, thinking outside the box, um, giving different solutions according to their experience in the past in their countries. You know, checking, I think they're also looking for something like, apart from cost and from uh, talent, I mean, talent meaning academic what background or about, experience. As a, what I'm hearing you talk about is, in a word, diversity. 
right? Right. And I think HR exactly. managers fall into this trap of thinking of diversity as just being racial, ethnic, whatever, nationality diversity. But alongside with that, related to that, perhaps not completely separate from it, but related to that is this diversity of thought, diversity of ways of approaching problems, diversity Definitely. of culture and ways of dealing with intercultural and interpersonal challenges in the workforce. And that's a big part of it. It's like we need we need women in our leadership positions and just using an example for diversity and inclusion, right? We need women because women in general approach problems a little bit different than men do. Um, we need people from different cultures in leadership positions because they're going to slap us and say, this is, I'm getting inundated with fruit <laughs> chews here. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm going to, they say, they see things from a different perspective right they may have different approaches they may have different ideas or solutions to problems so it's super interesting this diversity uh is super interesting and it's, it's super interesting that a company may have this approach because if as a company you are also thinking of approaching international clients you may right. have right. you know different ways of approaching that client that may be brought or considered by someone who is from the same nationality or, or region in the world so uh, yeah I see many reasons why people are coming. When I say coming to Argentina is the only panorama I may see because I'm, I'm based in Argentina and I sell talents in Argentina. But I think it's happening the same with other markets around the world. Oh, yeah. Well, and there's, Europe, there's markets that, like we all know of, that, like, good luck selling in Japan if you don't have right. a Japanese team, right? I mean, you can try, but, I mean, there's markets out there that are just hard to penetrate unless you approach them in a very specific way or have a local connection involved, Correct. right? Correct. This kind of brings us to, um, you sent me this uh -huh. article not too long ago, boom, boom de argentinos que trabajan para el exterior en forma remota, puestos más buscados y cuánto cobran en dólares. Um, this was published what? by Infobae. <laughs> what? Infobae. <laughs> yeah, I, I, um, I explain this to me. Um, walk us through this because not everybody, I'm not saying me, my Spanish is perfecto, but um, not everybody <laughs> listening speaks Spanish. So Okay, I'll explain. Um, there was This was an article published two, two days ago in a newspaper, in a local, in an Argentinian newspaper, and uh, talks about this this boom of companies coming to Argentina looking for talents. And they say that before, I mean, from the pandemic until now, in a couple of years, the amount of uh, professionals that have been hired by international companies or by foreign companies um, grew by almost 200%. Um, super interesting. I mean, it, it was this is not new. The word talents hired before the pandemic, but it's growing, it's accelerating. Um, with the pandemic, has accelerated. And um, then says that one one important thing, one highlight that I got is that the most required positions. System okay. engineers, developers, program developers, then surplace interpreters, and then psychologists. Psychologists. This is according to psychologists. This is according to Deal, which is a consultancy firm in Argentina. Um, yeah, yeah. Interesting. You may have you may have your your psychologist going. I could use a psychologist online. or two. Trust me. <laughs> maybe I maybe I need to. You do you provide psychologists at Pampa Talent? Can, can no, you, can you give me we, have a we have a psychologist in the team. She, okay. she recruits and she, do, she does the interviews. But um, uh, I should recommend Ornella to you. She's brilliant. <laughs> I, yeah, I, might, I might reach out to you after that. Um, I need a psychologist. My team members need to. Anybody that works with me probably needs a psychologist too. Um, <laughs> someone with a prescription pad, more likely. Let's. Uh, so we talked a little bit, and I, I realize I'm just unexpected. Well, not um, as I probably should have expected. Just getting into the conversation with you because that's what's interesting. But I, I did promise data here. So we yes. looked. At, we looked at the remote work. We looked at. We didn't look at this, but I'm kind of going to skip over it because um, it's kind of two ways of looking at the same thing. Um, so uh -huh. we looked at the difference, the breakdown between client side and vendor side. And these kids know that if they get me while I'm busy and they put 
fruit snacks in front of me, they know that I have no choice but to open them. So I have smart kids. Um, the breakdown between vendor side, client side, and also the breakdown between larger teams and smaller teams. And not a lot of difference there for the larger team versus smaller team. But let's go and look at the global dispersion, which is related to remote work. I mean, you have to be remote to be globally dispersed. Well, I guess you don't have to. You could have offices in multiple countries. But <clears throat> I think this is something that we kind of take for granted in the language services industry because we're globally global by design, right? right. I think that's – isn't that a Natalie Kelly book, Global by Design? That's something. But it's we're – What's that? Sounds nice. Yeah. Design. I think, I, think I stole that from that. The name of our next company. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, make sure it's not trademarked. Um, and kind of the same same thing here with um, language services providers reporting it to be much more important than the actual language services buyers. And what mm -hmm. I take away from that, and, and just not to bury the lead here, not a lot of difference between large companies and small companies, but my kind of takeaway from that is this is the value or one of the ways that LSPs provide value is by providing that global workforce to the clients. The clients don't have to go out and hire team members all over the world. They can hire one LSP and they can get their their international needs met met that way. That's a, that's the way the supply chain of our industry works, right? Right. I mean, but I always think, yeah, going global and you know discovering that you can hire anywhere in doesn't have pose uh, like a like a risk to the usual supply chain, the one we are used to. There will be some kind of disintermediation in the future due to this reason. Who's going to be out? You know, those are questions that sometimes I think I'm, it's going to happen. So um, yeah, but the, the, yeah, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, and I'm just thinking you, you bring up this word risk, right? And that to me is a big part of. Because I've I've man I've worked at a lot of LSPs that not a lot of LSPs but I've worked at LSPs where we do provide staffing or managed services and I don't want to get into the difference between staffing and managed services because there's a lot of bullshit in there but we provide workforce solutions right we provide a talent like Pampa Talent provides talent and one of the main reasons I found that clients wanted us to provide that is because, and they, they use us as an LSP because they already had a P open, right? They mm -hmm. didn't have to get a new purchase order, so it was just convenient. And it really reduced their risk. Because if I'm on the client side and I hire, let's just say linguists, so let's not even talk about project management. Let's just say a linguist. And I hire a linguist to be my lead linguist, country manager, whatever it's gonna be. And what happens if that person sucks? Right, And it takes me three months to figure out that they're just not a good, I shouldn't say sucks. What happens if they turn out not to be a good fit, right? Well, it takes me three months to figure that out. And then I got to go through this brutal HR process in order to offload them, right? Now, if I hire someone through my LSP, I can just call my LSP account manager and say, look, this person's not working out. Give me someone else. And usually there's going to be SLAs. And tell me about SLAs, a service level agreements that you have with your clients. Like what happens when you're providing a talent, let's say a project manager to an LSP, and the LSP calls you and says, you know what, this person, you know, eh, they're nice, but they're not really working for us. Um, what can you do about that? What does that process look like? Well, um, sometimes it, ha it happens. And uh, when it happens, if it is before three months, before doing the first three months of the contract, it's pretty easy. Mm -hmm. If it happens afterwards, it's a little more complex and may cost a little bit more money. Um, but in general, we try to avoid it by, by, by a very hard selection process okay. with a lot of steps and interviews and uh, reference checks and, you know, know what tests everything to make sure that the, that the person is a good fit for the company that will stay and that the, the company will be happy and the person will be also happy because that's also important. Um, so, but if it, if that's happened, it happened, then we, we try to, to figure out that before the first, before the, the three months period ends. Sure. So we have time to, you know, um, 
terminate the person and find a new one. Yeah, and sometimes finding a new one is at no cost. I mean, if it is within the first three months, it has no cost. Yeah, and I'm not trying to like put you on the spot saying like what happens when you screw up so often. Because the reason I have <laughs> to ask is because we've never had that. Like we've been using your guys' services, your your gals' services for years, and I've, we've never been in a position where we've had to do that. Um, no, in general, in general, that, that, that it never happens. It's very rare, I'll say. Well, you, yeah. you talk about um, the vetting process, the recruiting and the vetting process and the testing process. What do you do? How, how do you test if someone's going to be a good project manager? <laughs> I'm bad at this. Like yeah. our CEO here at NIMSY, Joseph Kubovsky, he's an yeah. excellent hiring manager. Yeah, and I, I will sing his praises because he he does really he's really good at interviewing and sniffing out the good talent and all that stuff. I'm not. I'm lazy. I just I hire you if I like you, and then I figure it out from there. And that's gotten me into a lot of trouble before. So, like, honest question: How do you find good people, and how do you separate the wheat from the chaff? Well, there's a first of all, there's a, a CV selection that is that is very thorough. I'll say, um, reading every CV from bottom to top, and and then you know checking everything, trying to discover if they're lying is very important. Seeing the yeah. dates when they work for certain work for certain companies, and then checking references, and then seeing if that someone was jumping from one company to the other, you know, in, in short terms, short periods. Um, everything is important. From the way they present the information, they write it, if it is orderly, everything is, is important. Um, I have kind of an intuition, I say, that I develop along the, the, the years that I've been doing this. And, you know, at the beginning I had a hard time, but now I can tell, you know, from in a, in a minute, I can say someone is a good fit or not. And in general, I, I kind of match with my clients when they when they decide. You know, I say, I say, I, I see, uh, um, the three profiles we are going to submit, and I say this has more opportunities. And in general, I'm, I'm right. Uh, but then we also work with tests. Tests could be psychological, could be uh, writing, you know, yeah. communication, could be typing to see if they type fast. Uh, any type of tests. Yeah. And it's kind of. You can't take it for granted, things that, you know, because like everyone says on their CV, Excellent communication skills and experience with Microsoft Office. Well, it's like, all right, are you experienced right, with Microsoft Office? Like, make mm -hmm. me a spreadsheet. Write me some Exactly. Formats. Let's work with dynamic tables. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because I've hired some people that we said, excellent Excel skills. And I'm like, oh, honey, I don't think your Excel skills, um, the way that you define those are the same as I define those. Exactly. You know, those type of very particular uh, technical tests are usually decide, decided and defined with the client yep. to see what they want, what they use in general, you know, what they do at work. And, uh, but then the psychological ones are, you know, usually defined by us and then checking references and then uh, asking for police records in, in Argentina to see that they are clean. Um, yeah. You never know. Yeah. You never know. Right. You never know. And you know what? We are handling with a lot of confidential information in the localization industry. So it's very important to check that they don't have criminal records um, because of confidentiality reasons, maybe. Um, so, what, yeah, we go through different steps. There are several interviews. Hey. In general, we have one uh, with Ornella, maybe a second one with me. Mm -hmm. uh, well, the recruiter than me and then with the client and the client may have more than one um maybe the recruiter maybe some of the hr department maybe someone from the technical area where this person is going to work namely project management or whatever area is going to work with um and then maybe one final one with a ceo or something like that someone who's making the final decision um everything is important i mean every step and every Every measure we take to make sure that we are hiring the right person is important. We don't want to, you know, we don't want turnover. We don't well, want to. Nobody's. We happy. don't want termination. We don't want to quitting. It's not you know, we, we, yeah. yeah, we want to make sure that there's a right fit and it's going to stay long in the in the position. Yeah. Let's go to the the chat here. Um, will the chat work for me today? No, of course it won't work. Come on, chat. No chat. Where are you, chat? Well, it doesn't matter. I can pull it up on my phone here. Um, let's see if there's any questions in here. Uh, 
Paulo Guimares says, even with this accelerated environment for global teams, there are places that do not keep up with this change. For example, Brazilian regulations regarding the workforce working overseas are still very restricted. You know? Paulo, Paulo is from Brazil. Paulo Guimarães. I can tell by the okay. funny, yeah. funny well, symbol depends over the from... R or the A in his name. <laughs> it depends, yeah, on every country, you know. The regulations are different in every country. Yeah. Um... Launa, I thought I saw a question here. Launa Santos, the first question we are asked when in an interview is the location we are at, even for remote work. If location is not a thing anymore for our industry, why is it still a topic for interviewers and managers? Good question, right? Um, good question. Why, why, how long, here, here's, here's a way of putting it. Ask, ask the expert here, asking, meaning you. How long until that becomes a completely irrelevant interview question to ask, where employers stop caring completely about where you're geographically located in the world? I don't think it's irrelevant. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Who was the person? I forgot the this name. This was, Santos. Ooh, ooh, throwing some shade at Lana Santos. Santos. Okay. I'm, I, I'm not sure that it's irrelevant. I think for the time being, it's very important. Why? First of all, yeah, if why? you're having... This is... This if is you're having... <laughs> If you have a plan of expansion where you want to have a global team so as to cover uh, 24-7 your, your customers, your, your, your operations, you need to know where the person is because you need to um, require this person to work in, in regular, normal hours and not overnight, you know? So um, if you are planning this 24-7, round-the-clock uh, operation, you need to have people, you know, in different time zones. So it's important to know where they live. I mean, they may, they might be living in China and they will work overnight and they will cover Europe or whatever or America, but it's not the ideal thing if you want to have your staff happy and having you know living a normal life. Because I've had that before. I've had folks in Central Europe teams that were working a U.S. time zone, and I've had folks in South America in Argentina, which is about four hours mm -hmm. ahead of me. Um, yeah. four, four to six, I think. I, I don't know. It depends on the time of the year. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, now it's four. So, yeah, I've had folks in Argentina that were working a U.S. time zone. And in theory, I think it sounds great. But in practice, I just don't see it as long-term sustainable, right? It's not sustainable. You because can't do that for after, a long time. Because people it has a lot of lives and go home and kiss their kids and go to soccer practice and stuff like that. Exactly. Exactly. It can it can work for very specific situations if someone like already lives that kind of lifestyle anyways and they prefer to work at night. But yeah, yeah but it's not standard. It's not that you are going to have you know that you will find fifty people in the, in, in the same right. in the same place that are for the same position that they would like to work overnight. Exactly. So you better have this. You always when when you hire staff, it's, it's different if you are hiring freelancers or whatever. But when you hire staff, you need to think of the well being of your people too. Right. And in that sense, because they are part of your team, even though they are hired by a different company like Panther does, you know, we hire for other companies. But still, you have to think of the well-being of your staff because after all, they are part of your team. So uh, you need to, you know, care for their work-life balance and for, for their, you know, mental health and everything. So it's important to offer them, you know, nice work opportunities like, like the schedule. Well, and also people will agree to things to get hired that they know maybe they don't even know maybe they think like oh this will be fine i can work late hours yeah i would be able to yeah. but then they find that they cannot so back to the deck here i'm skipping through this deck guys if you want the deck reach out i'll send it to you sorry um but i think the conversation is much more interesting than just looking at slides <laughs> so i'll show you just like so we have it broken down here by what is most important to lsbs that's language services buyers what is most important to lsps language services providers um we look at some of the downsides and the upsides so what are the downsides what are the upsides to having remote teams having globally dispersed teams um i'm just rushing i'm just giving you guys a preview um same thing um, breaking it out by remote work versus globally global dispersion and then what's really interesting in this deck is this verbatim feedback that we've collected um, and these are like actual comments from actual well actual people actual professionals working in the industry so um, you know people 
working and I sorted out by like, do they work for an LSP? Do they or or do they work for a buyer? And what is the size of their team so that you can kind of get an idea of who's providing this different feedback? Super interesting stuff. Um, I'll tell you what. Don't spam. I told you before to reach out to info at nimsy.com if you want a copy of the deck. Don't spam the, Don't spam us. Just leave a comment, and we'll go through. And No, here's what we'll do. I'm going to post this deck publicly on Nimsy's homepage as a, as a post so that you guys can just go and grab it. That way my poor marketing team doesn't have to respond to all of it. And, yeah, so I just wanted to go through the rest of the deck here with you before coming back to what's important because we need to start wrapping this up here on Helica. Um, I, well, I thank you for all of the great work that you guys are doing with Nimsy. Um, you're not just some random company that I'm having on as a guest here. We consider you guys true partners, partners in crime here. And <laughs> you've really allowed partners in hiring. Partners in hiring. Well, the, the, the lines between hiring and crime can, that's great, Gary. Go play with that ball somewhere else. Um, we truly wouldn't have been able to done the things that we've done without the help that we're receiving from our, our Pampas team members. So I thank you very much for that. Any closing thoughts, any takeaways that you'd like to leave our audience with here? You know what? Um, you are thanking Pampa, but in fact, uh, we are thanking Argentina. We are very proud of our country. Our country is going through hard times now. Uh, you know, financially and a few other things, political. But we have great people in our country. We have great talent. University is free in Argentina, so whoever wants may have the chance to go to university and study and have a, an academic uh, career. Um, and, uh, and we are delighted to offer the world the great talent we have here because it's not only academically trained, but it's also nice people, committed, you know, responsible. Um, we love our country and we love, mainly we love our, our people, our, our citizens. And, um, and we are delighted to offer them to the world that we can show that, that we can, you know, that we can provide excellent service. So Pampa is just a channel to allow these people to go and work for, for the world and provide services and, sh and prove that they can shine. Um, so having said that, um, thank you so much for inviting me, for inviting us. I have a partner that is Virginia that's sitting here next to me. Hi, Virginia. There she is. <laughs> she, she was on last time. I had you guys on before. You, you're 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 in the repeat guest club now. It's a very inclusive <laughs> club. So we'll get Virginia back on here sometime so she can join we'll us in the repeat it, guest we'll club. We'll bring her back. Yes, definitely, right. yes. Um, so um, we thank you, uh, Nancy, for staying with us. You know, Renato is always, he always have a, a nice word for us, for, you know, a nice advice. Um you're always available when we need. Um, we are great partners, so we really appreciate that. And thank you for thank you for inviting me here. Um, you're always welcome to Argentina when you want to visit, so as to visit your trouble. staff and I get to too much trouble visit in Argentina. Yes, you're but always welcome. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. So <laughs> thank you. I hope to start traveling again soon. I hope to start to have, you know, it's for, for many reasons, the pandemic being one of them. I haven't been able to travel a whole lot recently, but Argentina is definitely back on my list. I love it down there. I absolutely love it oh, down there. You are super welcome when you want to come. And happy to um, to be serving multilingual too. Great, great, great publication. We need it. Uh, the, the industry needed it. And, uh, and it's, it has changed a lot. And I know uh, that See, the Argentinian team has been working on that, on that change, on that renewal, on that renovation. The, that renovation space. is, um, well, this is just becoming a love fest now. But that reno like that rebranding that we've gone through, if you like the look and feel of what Multilingual Magazine has been doing within the last 18 months, this lady, right? These yeah, guys. great work. So, um, yeah, that's been a joint effort. But... Yeah, before we start just getting too gushy-gushy here, thank you, Angelica. I'm, I'm going thank to you. take us out here. So, ladies, gentlemen, um, if you enjoyed this Nimsy Live experience, then join us next time on next week. 
I don't know when that's going to be. But next week, I'm talking to Anmai, Amir Kaslan, um, Achim Ruop. And we're looking at the latest results, the quality results are in on the performance of Data Enhanced Machine Translation, which is this really interesting project, uh, product from, uh, or service product from Taos. We've had them on before. I talked to Yap Vandermeer um, when they were first starting to roll out Data DEMT, Data Enhanced Machine Translation. Now let's see how it's performing. We're going to be talking about that next week. So you can go over to LinkedIn.com and sign, or LinkedIn and MC's page. And sign up to attend that event now so they'll be notified when we go live. Um, finally, once again, my name is Tucker Johnson. I appreciate my guest, Angelica. I appreciate Nimsy researchers who are working hard behind the scenes so that I get to do fun stuff like this. I, I appreciate all of you guys out there in the industry that are responding and participating in industry research so that we can all learn from each other. If you'd like to do that, nimsy.com forward slash participate is how you go about doing that. And lastly, I appreciate you guys in the audience, but especially those participating over here in chat and keeping it lively and really taking full advantage of this live format. So with that, I will, I'm signing off. I'm taking a three-day weekend and I'll be back next week with and my and team to talk about data enhanced machine translation. Until then, ciao.